the part of my job I think I always enjoyed the most about like running a company is actually like the coaching, the mentoring, the leadership development kind of side of things. It's great to be able to build one business and see it to success, but it's also incredible to be part of a bunch of other entrepreneurs journeys, you know, and see, you know, how you can support them to achieve some of the things that perhaps I just took a long time to get to because I didn't have somebody necessarily to give me that input or, you know, help me have a different perspective on things. Today, I spoke with Asha Ismail, the co-founder of Uncap. We talked about the democratization of capital, how Asha has been building businesses and his early life, how he supports founders, his mentorship roles, and the ins and outs of equity, as well as relationships in life and business. Yeah. Hi, Asha. How are you going? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I know you're a really busy guy. So thanks for thanks for doing this. I wanted to ask, you know, outside of work, what do you like to do with your time? Gosh, outside of work. It's so funny when you're running a startup, you can sort of feel like it's very hard to get much time to do other things. But, you know, one of the things I always really appreciate is spending time with my like family and friends. I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, often you can neglect those things because you are so focused on like building your business. But I think one of the lessons I've definitely learned is that investing that time is so important because later on, when you end up having challenges and other things going on, you have that support network to, to depend on. So, uh, so yeah, as much as my free time, I try to get out and spend time with them. Awesome. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I don't know how I could have done anything really in my life without my friends. So, I mean, you were just alluding to it before we started, like you weren't referring to another startup. You're, you were just referring to Uncapped or unless you're running a couple of startups. Uh, well, I've just, I built a few different startups over the years. So yeah, my, you know, this is the third business that I've built, but definitely the biggest problem that I always had was, you know, how do I get the funding that I need? And, you know, I've also worked a lot of time with other e-commerce founders and I just saw how they struggled too. So Uncapped is, you know, probably the the ultimate business uh, to start because it's, you know, really about solving that problem. Yeah. Please tell us for people who don't know about Uncapped and, you know, what you do. Well, we provide fast, flexible funding to e-commerce businesses for marketing, inventory, or hiring. But the key thing is that we do it without requiring a personal guarantee or any dilution. And uh, yeah, you know, it's my dream to work on Uncapped because, you know, every day I get to help other entrepreneurs get to the funding that they need. Our first customers actually were my friends. So, you know, from the start, we really tried to create a product that is actually friendly, that's, you know, fast, that's fair, that's transparent. You know, it's the funding solution I wish always existed. We're now in 22 countries, including the US, UK, Germany. Poland, Spain. Yeah. And our business has just been growing exponentially. So we now fund more businesses in a day than a typical VC will fund in a year. And then um, more personally, I also spend a big chunk of my time now um, doing executive coaching for other founders. So supporting them in their leadership development and growth. And I guess I've you know learned a lot from the different businesses that I've run and just really want to share that with more folks. And so, yeah, I love to work with leaders on how they can achieve high performance without compromising their well their well-being. Yeah, that must actually go quite hand in hand. I don't know what the parabola is, but have you felt stress like that when you when you bury yourself in a project like this? I mean, it's like nothing I've ever seen uncapped. Well, absolutely. So big, you know? It's 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 totally a roller coaster, I think, of of building a business, as they say. And, you know, depending on what your personality style is, I think for so many entrepreneurs, they really feel the highs, but then they also really feel the lows. And, you know, learning how to manage that. And being able to continue on and push forward and, you know, 
uh, get to the next day is super important to being able to really win in the long term. Yeah, I'd really like to touch on that in a second, like the the coaching aspect. But can you just tell us to you know bring us into the fold a bit? What are those other companies that you've worked at? Give us the trajectory, the story. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Uncapped itself was born out of the frustrations I faced when I was launching my first business. So I did that business in 2003, which was a marketplace. And, um, you know, I was young and just trying to raise 100K. And I probably had 100 meetings and I got 100 no's. So back then I was just in my very early 20s. Yeah, you know, I, I was in a situation where I didn't own a home. So, you know, taking financing from the banks while wanted personal guarantees just wasn't possible. And then, you know, venture capital, it wasn't ideal either because... I didn't have a track record or connections or warm introduction. And so I just repeatedly missed out on growth opportunities. And then my second business um, was in a very different space. Um, I was selling insurance online. Um, so it was for new drivers and it was you know, a first product for them. And then I launched a second product, which was about getting insurance by the, by the minute. So rather than having to buy you know, a, a full out insurance policy, you could actually match it to actually your usage. And yeah, in that business, I guess I had thought I had it all figured out on the funding side. I raised like millions in venture capital, but then I got terribly diluted. And yeah, I just started to realize that the options for me were really limited. And it was just it was depressing to think that I could work, you know, so hard and then own so little of my company. But you know, I, what I noticed is that it wasn't just me, you know, growing businesses, they're just often left to choose between raising costly venture capital or burdening themselves with traditional debt. And so, yeah, I just thought there must be a better way. And I started to work on CAPT first to bring, you know, a more fair funding alternative to Europe and then North America and, you know, now you know, the rest of the world. So we've now given over 150 million of funding to businesses who've gone on to create other, you know, jobs and opportunities. And we've also helped the founders, you know, own more of their businesses and save millions in dilution. Damn, nice work. How does that feel? That's pretty cool. It's, it's been really amazing, I have to say, but I think it's also, it just feels also, um, there's a lot of luck involved also in like, you know, building a business. And so definitely the experiences really helped to like get there, but also it was great to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know, right now e-commerce has had such a boom and, you know, that's the main focus of who we fund, you know, primarily are supporting e-commerce businesses. And obviously it's been a fantastic time to be building, you know, a D2C company. And uh, yeah, we've been able to ride on the coattails of some some really other incredible founders. That's a really nice, uh, modest response. So you must have had a through line there because you're saying about how you're giving out insurance by the minute and insurance to first drivers. That's kind of a similar sort of thing at, at Uncap, like you know, disrupting, of course, but also in a sort of charitable way to people who aren't getting that sort of product or program in the first place. So you're kind of doing that thing. Did you carry that thought with you? Like, oh, this is something I could do in the future? Or was it kind of a surprise when you when you stumbled across the idea of Uncap? Each of these um, were kind of connected together. Like, you know, every business that I've been part of and, you know, also the ones where I've also worked for some other people. And, you know, in each of them, I've really been drawn to them because they had a purpose. So, mm. you know, my belief is that, you know, businesses that, you know, do good, perform well, and, uh, you know, that's definitely the carry through from those different types of businesses. They're trying to solve some bigger problem. And I think in particular at my last company, you know, I faced that challenge where I was really looking for a product like, like ours, but it just didn't exist in Europe. And so that kind of was the inspiration to go on and actually create it. 
Yeah, I have a couple of questions about Uncap, but I also love this story. Like, what was it like in the first days and how did it all come together? Was there somebody that you met? Was there somebody you working with already? And what was that initial kind of like, well, we're just going to do it look like? <laughs> um, well, actually, I have a, a co-founder who came from like the other side of the coin. So his his background was in venture capital. And so I think one of the unique things we did was by me being an entrepreneur and having that experience and have experienced this challenge and knowing what the product we needed was, the other challenge was obviously getting the amount of capital you need to actually deploy. And, you know, um, he was great in terms of like, you know, having the, that resource and that thinking and that access to help solve that problem so we could, you know, combine together and, you know, find the right solution. So, I mean, uh, that's kind of how it first started out in, in the sense that, you know, at the beginning, when you're giving away capital to folks in a new model that no one has ever done before, obviously you're taking a lot of risk. Mm. And so when you're going to take a lot of risk and potentially lose a lot of money, who do you go to? VCs. Yeah, guys. So, um, so we, you know, we raised our first money uh, from some amazing venture capital funds in Europe. And then after a while, we kind of proved that actually, hey, we could actually do this. And, you know, we didn't lose everyone's money. And in fact, we were really good at figuring out who are the companies that are going to grow and pay us back. And so then we were able to then work with banks who then gave us some more money and some more money. And, you know, we've been able to then, you know, support a whole bunch of entrepreneurs through that route. And yeah, I don't know. It all happens so quickly. Uh, to be honest, you know, this company is not that old. It's, it's only about been going for almost three years. And, you know, just over a year ago, we had 10 people in the business and, you know, now we have, you know, a hundred people in the business. So, you know, that, that's, I guess the game in startups is that things can move really quickly when you have the right solution and the right product and yeah, the right backing. Yeah. I, I actually remember when I joined Debutify, we had uh, 16 people and uh, then we had about 95 people six months later. Like it was like, I started making videos for the company and then we got like eight new editors. And at the beginning it was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll just do the editing. And that's really cool. That's even yeah. faster than us. That's really impressive. It was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, obviously you're going to have like some pretty hard metrics when you're giving out that money. But I also wanted to ask you like, do you, do you ever operate on hunches? Cause I know that your website is like incredibly streamlined and easy and like people can get the money they need quickly. But was there an early period where you were kind of, you know, dealing with people one on one, and you're like, "Wow, this guy's got a great idea. Let's let's do it." Or was it always kind of analytical? Well, I guess you know what's different in the way that we work versus a bank or a venture capital fund is, you know, we don't ask for business plans or pitches, or we don't, you know, meet up with you for coffee. Um, instead, we connect to the data sources that you use mm -hmm. to run your company and make data driven decisions off the back of that. So for example, you know, as part of our, our online process, you would connect your Shopify account or your Google ads or your banking software. And, you know, we have a hundred different ways that we can connect and understand a business. And we use that approach because it removes the bias from decision-making. And I think that's actually so much of what has frustrated people about venture capital is that, you know, those decisions are often based on pattern matching and the people who end up getting the capital are often the same people who would get the capital previously. And you end up with a really undiversified pool of, of founders who are actually going on to be able to build big businesses. And yeah, one of our beliefs was that actually, if you streamline this model and you democratized it by actually making it available to anyone, not just people who happen to be living in you know, London, New York, or San Francisco, 
and said, you know, anybody can apply online and just connect their data and let the data speak for itself. Um, you know, we believe that's that's actually the way forward. And so in terms of the criteria that we're looking for, you know, we say that uncapped is great for you. If you've generated sales online for at least six months, you're doing at least 10K of revenue per month and you're growing. So, you know, pretty, pretty simple criteria to, to mm. find a good business in that sense. We obviously then, you know, deep dive and look at a whole bunch of other things in terms of, you know, uh, return on ad spend and growth and economics and all sorts of other metrics. But at the heart of it, you know, those are the base things to kind of make it through. And, and yeah, and it's overall, it's a really simple, fast process. You apply in minutes, you get a decision in 24 hours and, you know, there's a, there's no risk to you because uh, there's no cost to apply. There's no other hidden fees and it's just incredibly simple. Yeah, no, it sounds too simple, which is good. Occam's <laughs> razor. Definitely at the beginning, I think folks would always ask us like, what's the catch? What's the catch? Like, you know, and you know, there just, there isn't a catch. It's kind of funny because people just expect getting funding to be hard and complicated. And I think that's just what we've taught people historically, right? That you need like a lawyer and, you know, uh, a friend who's done it before and someone to give you this introduction. And mm. all those things are just the way this you know, way of generating money for, for growth has always been. But our world was actually like, what if we really designed it around the founder, made it super simple? You know, our legal agreement is like six pages. It's written in plain English. So you know that what you're signing. And I think all those things make such a big difference because as a founder, instead of now, you know, doing what I did where I just spend like six months knocking on doors, begging people for money, you can in 24 hours get money in your bank account and take all that time that you would have spent on pitching and reinvest it into spending time with your customers and with your team and you know building your product. The things that probably as an entrepreneur are the things that you actually wanted to do. Yeah. So yeah. um yeah, it's exciting to help entrepreneurs in that way. That's genius. I mean, I already knew that, but but that is genius. <laughs> I, <laughs> I um yeah, that's it's really nice to hear you put it like that. Are you actually gonna be staying in e-commerce or do, like what what do you see in the future like? Will you be looking at services as well or, or just products and, you know, because products are very like, you know, linear and easy to see. Yeah. So, you know, e-commerce was the first category that we funded, but we've actually expanded to other categories. We also support software as a service, SaaS businesses, and yep. really actually anyone who's generating revenue online. What we're ultimately really looking for is businesses that have repeatable, predictable revenue. Mm -hmm. And so if you have any business that has that structure where we can you know, connect to a data source, understand how you're doing, and then see consistent behavior. That's a business that we'd like to fund. So yeah, we you know are really open to talking to other types of businesses. Um, when you go on our website, you can you know fill in some basic details, and it'll kind of tell you right from there, like within two minutes, whether or not your business type actually qualifies. And yeah, we're funding more and more in other categories. Awesome. Yeah, I will definitely hit you up when I hit 10k on my video production company. Because <laughs> I got a, I got a bit spooked by the 10k criteria, but uh, I guess it's it's not that far away. Well, 10k for us, the, the reason why we have that is because 10k is the point at which you know the business is no longer side of desk. It's actually mm -hmm. something that you could take a salary from, mm -hmm. and if you've been doing it for six months, it probably means it's something that has gotten to a stage where you can do it repeatedly. And you know, those are the type of businesses that we want to fund where. You know, they have a they have a growth opportunity, they have something that's working, and they just need more fuel for the fire without someone taking a piece of the pie. 
Beautiful. It's 6% the founders pay back to you, but only if you make money, right? Yeah. So, so we provide you know equity and interest-free investments that start from 10K up to 5 million. And then we charge a flat 6% fee on the capital that we provide. And yeah, the business basically only repays the capital as they make revenue. So there's no set repayment date. There's no compounding interest. There's no you know, other hidden fees. Maybe to give you an example, like, you know, if we were to lend you 100K to spend on marketing, we take back a fixed portion of your daily revenue, say like 5 or 10%, until we get 106K back. So mm-hmm. you're just paying that 6% flat fee. Yeah, very simple. Yeah. Are you worried about, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a beautiful model that's kind of emerging. Like you can see in like Lemonade, it's kind of like a Web3 blockchain kind of a company. Like it's like a DAO really kind of where you're like really off hands, letting the data speak for you. Are you worried about, I mean, you probably are, but competitors, because like it's, it's quite a simple idea. Can you patent that or are you just going to charge ahead and hope that you stay ahead of the pack? Well, we're not really too worried about uh, competitors in this space. To be honest, if you look at how much capital has been deployed in the last period by other forms of capital, and in fact, you know, only um, you know, 0.05% of companies will access venture capital. There's clearly a huge demand of businesses that are looking for, for funding. So that's 0.05 you know, people who've applied and then been rejected. They, they're the only ones that get it. Or is that just companies um, so all over? Yeah, so, so venture capital um, in general right, ha, has a 0.05% chance of getting funding from that route, which mm-hmm. is part of what the problem is, right? Because yeah, yeah. there are so many incredible businesses that deserve capital and need to grow, but they just don't fit the venture capital model. And you know, it just shows what the opportunity is, is just absolutely huge. And in our space, we, you know, we are funding those businesses that we do fund businesses who have raised venture capital and want a more affordable source. But we also fund, you know, a lot of businesses that are bootstrapped and where for them, you know, venture capital, they probably would be overlooked. And so there's just a huge space to be able to fund. And there are definitely going to be more people doing, you know, the kind of things that we're doing. But hey, I think overall, that's a good thing because it just means entrepreneurs have more options. And, you know, it puts us, keeps us on our toes to keep doing things that um, will be good for founders and help them get the funding that they really need. Nice, nice answer. Yeah, when I first heard about Uncapped, I I got a bit like worried that you're propping up people who are already kind of, you know, materially successful. If they're like an entrepreneur, you could classify them as like, you know, they'd they'd probably be fine in a normal job. You know, They'd, they'd be able to make their own way. And now they've taken a risk and gone, I can actually do something better and I can, I can grow. I, I got worried like the, you know, the layman, most of society is still going to get left behind, even though as, as we've just discussed, like VCs are, are not funding anybody really. I can also like read between the lines and hear what you're saying that you are very keen on like diversity and inequality. So what are your thoughts around like, I mean, you're just a startup, so it might not be here in a year. Hopefully it is. But what do you think about the future do you think you'll expand to help? I guess I'm asking like philanthropically or, but then again, it's kind of weird because you can't just say that you're going to give out money to people who, who can't prove that they're going to make it back. So, I mean, what I can say is we you know, are funding that wider set of businesses, right? Who wouldn't have been able to access funding previously. And often, yeah, those founders come from backgrounds where they might be overlooked. We are still funding good businesses. And I think, I don't think anybody would want to get to a stage where they're supporting entrepreneurs who 
or running businesses that are businesses that shouldn't be running. Yeah, that's why it's something that's not creating some value for the world. And, uh, you know, that wouldn't make sense for anyone. There's enough businesses that are doing incredible things that are just overlooked and for the wrong reasons, right? Like, like I can give you lots of examples of, of entrepreneurs that we funded where, you know, they couldn't get funding from other sources and it just held them back. And, you know, being able to solve that, I think is a, is a really big opportunity. Yeah, no, good on you. Really. That is, that is good. It's nice to hear. Yeah. I can't imagine what you went through when you were, you know, had this great idea and you were just like, where is this going? I'm getting rejected so much. And, and now you've been able to facilitate that with people. I guess that yeah. kind of leads us to, <laughs> I was just going to say that, um, yeah, I think there, there are exactly, you know, great examples of that. I was going to give you an example of one of, uh, you know, yeah, a customer that we dealt with was, you know, one was an example was like a, a sustainable fashion brand called Hedowin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Alex and Anna, two female founders who, you know, were basically struggling initially to access capital from, you know, venture capital, um, where they kind of started off. They even had finance backgrounds. And so they knew kind of what they were doing and what they were looking for, but they couldn't get, I think, people to take them seriously and to be able to get really an affordable option that would help them get to the next level. And, you know, when you're in the fashion space, the challenge you have is that you have to struggle between juggling cash between inventory and marketing. So, you know, Alex and Anna, they would have to basically wait for their current season to sell so they could invest the returns in the next. And it just limited their growth. And, you know, what they ended up doing was um, working with us. They're one of our, our very early customers. They signed up for a 50K advance, um, you know, at the end of the year. And then they use their funds to you know, increase their, their marketing. And they bought a little bit of inventory as well. And then with that funding, incredibly, in a quarter, they saw their revenues grow 11,000% compared to the previous year. And so it just shows you what's possible, right? When you take an entrepreneur who actually does have a great idea and a great business and has the talent, but they just couldn't access the capital. And then suddenly they can just achieve incredible things, right? And so... Those are the stories that we want to keep supporting and you know, keep finding entrepreneurs like Alex and Anna because, yeah, there's so much more that can be achieved in this world and you know, solved by entrepreneurs if they actually had you know, the access to the resources that they need. And, and more broadly, I think you know, the biggest problems in the world are going to be solved by entrepreneurs, right? whether it's what's happening with the economy or the climate and you know, continuing to be able to back more of those people from diverse backgrounds is super important because it means we're more likely to get to the solutions. Yeah, I guess I want to hear more about the coaching because you you seem like a really philanthropic person. You're 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 now doing this amazing startup, but you're even taking time to sitting on a tech board for diversity in London. You're coaching new entrepreneurs. Like, how, how has that experience been for you? And what what are you trying to achieve? What's your goal there? You know, I think uh, the part of my job I think I always enjoyed the most about like running a company is actually like the coaching, the mentoring, the leadership development kind of side of things. And uh, yeah, you know, I think it's great to be able to build one business and, um, you know, see it to success. But it's also incredible to be part of a bunch of other entrepreneurs' journeys, you know, and see, you know, how you can support them to achieve some of the things that perhaps I just took a long time to get to because I didn't have somebody necessarily to give me that input or, you know, help me have a different perspective on things. And so, you know, I think it's just been really fun to be able to, to, you know, watch other people and see them develop. And, you know, often that's about helping people gain more clarity, 
or confidence or resilience. You know, I think just those little things can make a huge difference to the ultimate outcomes. Yeah, no, definitely. You do seem like the calmest leader, one of the most calm leaders I've met, even though we're very far away from each other. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's, an, it's an incredible skill, you know, like, but I'm interested, like you're, you're saying that you didn't have people to turn to for feedback and perspective. Can you tell us a bit more about your early life? And because you just seem like the most grounded and well-spoken, clairvoyant person. Where did well, you get that perspective from? And, you know, you know, I think I, I, I mean, I definitely did have people in my life that I, that I turned to for support and all those things. But I think maybe, you know, in the early days of like when I was building my first company, you know, being an entrepreneur was almost like a dirty word. Like to my parents, that was like, maybe you should get a real job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. It was this idea of like, what are you doing? It just seemed like, it didn't seem like a thing. Whereas I think now for this new generation, they've seen the success of, you know, all these tech entrepreneurs who've gone on to become super successful and have, you know, billion dollar companies. And there is this whole romanticism that's attached to entrepreneurship. It just maybe wasn't there before. So mm-hmm. in my time, you know, there was that, but also the information just wasn't available. Like, you know, when you were trying to find out how to actually run a company or how it's supposed to work, it was a lot trickier, right? There wasn't podcasts about entrepreneurship. There wasn't a YouTube channel you could go to. There just wasn't as much writing or, you know, that understanding of things. And so, you know, I just had a lot of basic things that I needed to sort out. And it took me a few iterations. You know, it wasn't actually until building this third company that I really feel like I had it figured out. And to be honest, I still don't have it figured out. You know, I'm still every day learning more things about how I wish I knew I should have done it this way. And so, yeah, I just reflect on that. And I think that there's an opportunity to help other entrepreneurs kind of get to that state kind of sooner. For me as well, like, you know, in terms of building a company, I didn't set out to go and build a unicorn. Mm. I was about, you know, solving a problem for my friends. And, you know, that's kind of been the heart of what, what I want to do. But the other part of it has always been about, you know, building a company that I really want to work for. So, you know, I want to go to work every day and it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm solving interesting problems with people I really like. And, you know, by able to create that dynamic, you are, actually, you know, basically finding that you have happiness every day, right? Because happiness isn't a function of what you achieve. It's a function of, you know, how you spend your time and being able to then do something that you're enjoying continuously. um, It's super powerful. And as an entrepreneur, we sometimes attach so much to the success, you know, of actually getting to the final outcome, but success like that, it's very temporary right? It's actually, you know, the daily activities you do that are going to bring you joy. And, you know, there's always going to be another challenge and another problem to go and solve. So you don't have to, you know, anchor all your emotions to, you know, the summit and, you know, learning that and just gives you more perspective and to be able to solve problems with a little bit more confidence, uh, but also to feel, um, you know, what you're doing every day is really important. Yeah. Just, um, I just had all my friends over on Thursday last week to, uh, yeah, I did a screening for my latest short film and it was probably like the most beautiful night of the whole year so far. You know, everybody's watching it, they're clapping, they're cheering and shaking hands and, you know, congrats, bro. And then the next morning, I, I just like just a tinge of kind of melancholy and, you know, what's next and fear. And it, it's, it's, you know, insatiable. There's, there's no peak really. Like it's just putting your attention on the moment. 
and anything can be beautiful. Anything can bring you happiness. You can brush your teeth through the dishes and just feel, you know, pure elation if you give it enough attention. So yeah. So true. And you know, in, in entrepreneurship, I think what's interesting, I've known, you know, friends who are founders who have, you know, gone on to, you know, build a great business and then finally get to the exit. And then the day that the exit is done, they've like sold their business. They're just incredibly depressed. So it kind of relates to similarly to your, your story, right? Because you can get so caught up in the expectations of that moment, but actually you realize life really hasn't changed that much. You know, when you get no, to the no. other side of it, you still <laughs> got to build a life around you that you really enjoy. And, uh, and yeah, I can and even have another friend where, you know, they had sold their business, immediately started working on another startup. In the meantime, decided that they were going to, you know, buy, start building a big house in the countryside. So they were working on the construction of this house, renovating it, put in a big pool, absolutely beautiful. And then on the day that it was done, his partner told him that she was leaving him. And so suddenly here he was with this guy with millions of dollars and a big home all by himself in the country. And, you know, it just made you think, you know, where are you focusing your time and, you know, where, what's actually really important to you. And it just make sure to keep things in perspective. You know, company building is really important, but there's also a, a broader life that we have to live. And there's, you know, other goals and other ambitions that are important to support too. So, you know, having that rounded life is going to ultimately serve you better in the long term. Yeah. It's interesting that you're running a remote company. Like, I mean, me and you, I, I feel like we're kind of similar. Look, we're valuing people. How, how much interaction do you have with people? Like, and do you think that it could be beneficial or, or you know, detrimental to do either or? Yeah, well, I think our our thinking behind building a remote company was actually about having a more well-rounded life. So, yeah. you know, the idea that, you know, you have ultimate flexibility by being remote. On one hand, we have flexibility to be able to hire people around the world. So we have team members in 18 countries, but also that the people themselves have more flexibility to, you know, control their day and to, you know, live their life in the way that they want to live whether that meant, you know, them physically moving around or just making time in their day for other things that a normal, you know, nine to five wouldn't allow, like spending time with their family or dropping them kids off at school or being able to, um, you know, go to the gym in the middle of the day, take care of your well-being. You know, we have one of our team members who surfs every afternoon, right? And then they finish their surfing lesson or, and then they you know, are back on to a Zoom call talking to the team. And they're just getting to live their life the way they really want to live it. And once they're doing that, it's impossible for them to go anywhere else because, you know, they're hooked on that idea of actually building um, a life, not just having a job. And so, yeah, for us, it's been fantastic and, you know, has worked, you know, uh, in, in so many ways. It is also a challenge. You know, you've got to put work into it as well, because certainly, you know, interacting primarily with people over a video call can have a different interaction. It can have a different level of closeness that you build with people. So you got to think about it proactively about making time to socialize, not making your calls just all about work and oh, yeah, you know, yeah. figuring out ways to actually build the connections across your team. And so, you know, we invest in that and we do a lot of things that try to, you know, build the culture of the company. Um, but overall, yeah, I think it's been a huge advantage for us. It took the pandemic to stimulate it, I think, because you know, prior to that, it was like on the fringe, right? To say you're running a remote company was like, was, there were like a few examples of people doing it successfully. 
it was hard to find the supply of people who thought that was possible. And I think modern work where, you know, we, we focus more on outcomes rather than hours also has only been a recent trend. Like, you know, certainly for my parents and the way that they worked, oh, you know, yeah. their, their boss's expectation would be, you have to be at your desk at 9am. And if you're not there, like you're going to be fired. Right. So it was a, a, an evolving world. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of things have come together, but certainly the pandemic like, just made it just forced us all to try it. And then I think a lot of people just realized that actually that's what they like. So, um, so yeah, I think it's it worked out. It's probably the best benefit that's come out of that, you know, unfortunate time. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's so strange. Like uh, most of my friends, my close friends are lawyers and that's like a very traditional field where, you know, you've got the old wizards and witches in the tower who are dictating everything. Like we all agree, like we're only really doing three, four hours of proper work, you know? But like, it's the same sort of thing that you're describing. Like you have to be there from nine to six, seven, eight PM at night. You know, my friend Julius, 10 PM at night, he just finished up at the, at the biggest law firm in the country here. And it was just like, are you really putting out good stuff for that huge period? Like I used to be a chef and we would do 17 hour shifts. And it was like, you would be doing stuff that whole time. You know, it was like just making food. That's a pretty simple Here's the, here's the deliverable. But when you do like, you know, this sort of white collar job, it's, it's a lot more like, ah, I've kind of done the thing. Now I'm kind of checking emails, faffing. Can't I just leave? Like it's, I'm, you're only really going to do that solid three hours. So I hope that more companies really uh, bring it on board because it's amazing. Me too. And I, I think it is what the change we're going to see. I think as employers now, you know, are asking people to get back to work, there's just so many people who are saying, uh, you know what, I'm going to think about that. And, you know, there might be somebody else who's looking for that. And it's to our advantage, right? We are able to recruit so many amazing people because, yeah, they don't want to, they want to go back to the way that it was, right? They're yeah, like living yeah. in the future now and they're not oh, ready to go to the past. So it's exciting. And I think it'll be a really good thing for everyone. Yeah, 100%. Tell me about the people that you've brought on. Has there been people that you've brought on that like really you know, changed things? Has there been people that destroyed things? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> There's probably been both. There's probably been both. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the challenges, of course, is whenever you're scaling a business that fast, when you, you know, hire 90 people in the space of 12 months, you're going to make some mistakes. That's, that's to be given, right? And so you can't bow yourself down for that too much. But I think the more key thing is about whether you realize that quickly, that someone isn't a match for your culture, or, you know, isn't, you know, who you thought in terms of what they would be able to execute. And then you make a change quickly, right? So that has happened to us. But for the most part, I'd say we've, you know, had a lot of wins and had really great people who um, came to us and just added a bunch of skills that were missing and, you know, put out some fires, but also became leaders themselves. And then were able to hire more great people. And like, that's like the key thing, right? If you can find people, you know, initially around you, who you can really build with, and then you trust them to be able to go out and hire more great people like them, you're you know, off to a, a really good path. And uh, for us, you know, one of my things was always, at, until we got product market fit, we stayed you know, under 10 people. And the reason why was because when you're you know, sub 10 people, you can change things really quickly, right? And uh, you know, a big thing about startups is they're not a technology problem, they are a people problem. And it's so much because of the relationships that exist between people and the relationships grow exponentially with each person that you add. Um, so, you know, you, at the beginning, keeping it small lets you be more agile and move quickly. 
but then, yeah, once you've got something that works, you know, you want to, in this game, I think, you know, move on it as quickly as possible so that you can, you know, get out there probably before other folks do, but also because you probably want to spread what you're doing, you know, to more places and to more people and, you know, make it, make it, uh, make it move and take advantage of the opportunity. And so, so yeah, that's what we did. And, and uh, so far it's been, been working out for us. So what's next for Uncap? What's next? Well, you know, what's interesting is that we're going to be um, you know, going into an interesting time in the world where I think we're having a venture capital nuclear winter, I would say, where, okay. um, you know, VC rounds have pretty much died out um, for the next little while. And the reason being, of course, like the you know, challenging macro environment that we have and also you know, the, the war in Russia and Ukraine and it's just kind of, um, you know, spooked a lot of people in the market, right? We've seen tech stocks fall massively, and that has a trickle-down effect. The price of you know, every valuation of even a little company who's you know, building something online. You know, this period is going to be really interesting because I think we're going to have actually more great businesses that are looking for capital. But, you know, ones who probably would have gone to try to get funding from venture capital previously. And now are thinking, actually, I need to expand you know, my set of options. And so I'm hoping we're going to get a lot of really great companies coming to us looking for growth. And it's going to be a great thing because it's going to you know, stimulate those folks who perhaps would have looked otherwise in you know, traditional equity sources um, and now are probably going to instead take that challenge and turn it into an opportunity by actually getting to keep more of their business and actually do better overall um, because, you know, kind of they got forced to consider something different. Uh, so I think that's what's going to be next in this little period. It's going to be really interesting to see how companies are going to get funded and how open fund companies are going to be to exploring you know, new ways of doing things. Do you think you'll change anything to accommodate that? Or are you going to try and ride the wave? Or do you have any secret things up your sleeve? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think if we're going to keep doing what we're doing, uh, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be very similar in the sense that the actual solution that we have isn't different. I think mm-hmm. it's that the overall environment of like what people are seeing as a need is going to shift. And, you know, one of the, one of the problems so often when you're running a company, right. Is that you see these businesses that try to tell you, Oh, we just need some money to like educate the market. Whenever you yeah. hear that, like that, you're, you're probably pretty doomed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, if you're going yeah, yeah. to go and spend a bunch of your, your seed capital trying to educate the market, it's tough. And in our case, we had a little bit of a problem with that because, you know, we had a new thing. No one ever heard of it. It was, you know, a challenging thing to be able to explain and, you know, people to believe. But some of these events, you know, like this, just push people towards you a bit more, right? Because actually every venture capital fund is saying to their portfolio, hey, maybe you should go and talk to Uncapped because, you know, they don't want to be diluted either. So mm. it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic when um, you're able to actually partner with you know, some of the alternatives that you work with. And uh, yeah, I think things like that are going to keep helping us grow. And hopefully we're going to be able to fund, you know, thousands of more entrepreneurs in the coming year. Yeah, good luck. You must be disrupting the VCs, but also like it's a nice symbiosis too. It's a symbiosis because I think, um, you know, equity, it's not to say that equity is a bad thing. You know? um, equity is just one tool in an entrepreneur's toolkit. And you just got to know when to use it. And Equity makes sense when you're doing R&D, you know, like what like we were when we first launched in Cap, we were doing something no one had done before in Europe and, you know, people didn't understand how it worked and we we're taking a bunch of risk. And so it made sense to use equity for that. But then when you get to something that's predictable and repeatable, like if you are, you know, marketing 
um, and doing, you know, Facebook ads, and you know that your Facebook ads have a three X return to go and raise VC money where you give away 20% of your company in order to fund that. It's mm. just crazy. Yeah, right? yeah. But there's so many businesses that are doing that. And it's because they just don't realize, oh, wait a minute, there's an alternative product, which is much cheaper for solving that situation. Right. And so once you become aware, like, you know, knowledge is power. And, uh, you know, usually once you start using it that way, then you're hooked and, you know, you keep doing it and you grow your business differently. And so, um, yeah, I just think more entrepreneurs finding out about what we're doing is going to be a great thing. And, um, you know, understanding not just, hey, if it's this is the right solution, but in general, just understanding more broadly, what are the options available for you to fund your company? And there's, you know, what we're lucky is that there is actually now more options than ever before. We're kind of in this unprecedented time. So yeah, if you, you know, if you need more fuel for the hot fire, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Amen. I'm keen to see what people value in the future. Probably seeds, food, land. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, or like, you know, Tesla stock is pretty valuable too. But, uh, <laughs> I have this, I have this niggling in the back of my head of all my savings should really be spent on like oats just in case something happens. <laughs> just in case. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Getting prepared and you don't uh, you know, get ready to like, you know, set up your bunker. You're yeah, probably yeah, pretty yeah. safe. If you're in New Zealand right now, you're probably pretty safe and anywhere in the world, it's probably a good place to be. Yep. It's, uh, it's true. It's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. I know that you went to Australia, but, uh, if you ever come here, I hope that you notice the, uh, the strange magic in the air. That's also strange. It's because um, I'm originally from Plymouth, uh, just south of you. And uh, New Zealand is uh, incredibly isolated and, and it's sort of in the air. You know, it's, it's kind of indescribable, but, um, but it's there. So we'll have to check it out one day, maybe on my, my next trip. Yeah, you definitely should. It's, it's, it's kind of incredible at the same time. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we haven't touched on? I think we've covered a lot of great things. I think uh, probably if I had one key message from this whole thing is that, you know, equity is expensive and it's just so important to know your options because, you know, equity is the most expensive way to fund a company's growth. It takes, you know, a long time to raise and means that founders can end up losing control of their companies. And so, yeah, I think our, our main message on Uncapped is that, you know, founders do have more options than they did before. And we just really encourage businesses to check them out. Well, there's a lot of um, entrepreneurs who listen to this, so I hope that they go to see you. Would you like to leave anywhere for, to point people towards your personal private email or, or the yeah, nice email? You know, if, uh, if you have a scaling online business and you're looking for funding or executive coaching, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, every week, I'm actually putting out content about fundraising as well as lessons learned about how to scale a business um, from you know, 10 to 100. And yeah, if, if you're interested on the exact coaching side and you're leading a rapidly growing business, maybe you want more clarity or confidence or resilience. Uh, yeah, shoot me a message. It takes like three minutes. Uh, and if it's a match, I would love to help. I'm um, really excited to hear about what you're building. Awesome. That's just so compassionate, Asha. Yeah, I love just your whole view of the world and wanting to help people is, has been really nice and refreshing. Thank you for your time. Honestly, that was really nice. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Debutify Podcast. If you want to be part of the show, just email us podcast at debutify.com or head over to debutify.com to learn more. Have a great day and good luck with everything.